Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do You Copy podcast. My name is Lauren. And my name is Emily, and in this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. Oh, I liked that one. Thank you. I thought it was very, it was very smooth. Very smooth. Yes, <laughs> I liked that. So this is episode 12, and it is also the final episode in September, which is wild that September is... I feel like I still say this every week once again, but it feels like it's still March and I have no concept. It's March 300. That's exactly what it is. There is no concept of time this year. It's just gone. Like fully would not care if I put the Christmas tree up at like the start of October. Like we can just deal with that, you know? Oh, I was celebrating Halloween at the beginning of September. So I'm halfway there. (laughs) Yes, so we're really excited because our October month is going to be really cool, full of sabuki things, or like things that are a little bit, I want to say darker, like we're going to delve into some darker things as it is the month of the spooks and of the horror. And we've also got something pretty fun planned for Halloween night, which is actually, I think it's a Saturday, isn't it? It is a Saturday, which is very exciting. It's also typical that Halloween being a Saturday is the year in which no one can go out and celebrate Halloween. It's almost like 2020 was like, let's kick you when when you're already down. Best holiday of the year, let's (laughs) stop you from celebrating. Um, But what you can do instead is listen to the Hawkins Do Copy podcast. It's almost as good. Almost as good. It's almost as good. Almost as good. Um... (laughs) This is going up on Sunday. Sorry that this didn't go up yesterday. Um, But there were some, just a couple of issues that meant that we couldn't get this up on Saturday as usual. So it's a rare occurrence that it goes up a day later, but just an apology. So Mm -hmm. what are we talking about today in the final September episode? So today we're going to talk about what I believe is currently the last book in the... Strange Things Extended Universe, as we are coining yes. it, um, which is Runaway Max. Yes, yeah, so Max is my favourite character. I think I've said that a couple of times now. Um, she's my favourite party member. So I was buzzed when I found out that there was going to be a book about Max. And I actually did really enjoy this book. It definitely has mixed reviews. There are definitely multiple opinions on this book and what people think about this book but I really liked it I thought it was really good so I had issues finding um the book of Runaway Max that it does not seem to be anywhere in any of the shops that I have been in um but I have read what I can about it I've done as much research on it that I can but what's good about this one is it follows pretty much directly right alongside season two so I'm gonna be coming more from that angle of it and how it's going to fit in with what we already know within the show. Yeah, and it's actually a lot different from Suspicious Minds and Darkness on the Edge of Town because it doesn't really have any new characters in it. It's not really something where we're learning about pre the show. There are some flashbacks and we do get some flashbacks about Max's life before they move to Hawkins, but the majority of the book is set in Hawkins and when she moves there and when she meets the party and everything which is going on so it gave us more of an insight but it gave us an insight into things we already knew rather than learning about stuff we didn't know 
this is something that has been reflected in a lot of reviews as well actually that some it's yeah. i think as you said it's been it has been mixed looking was out there some people have been like this is a really good companion book but i think that's the key word there that it it yeah. is a companion book you're not really going to get much new information from this which yeah is something that a lot of people are picking up i think that you could read Suspicious Minds and Darkness on the Edge of Town without having seen the show. Mm. I think, anyway. Um, or having... a uh, Maybe only seeing, like, season one, you could probably watch, like... You could probably read Suspicious Minds or something like that, like, because it's a... Not a separate story, but it's more of an original story because yeah. there's different characters whereas this would not make any sense no. i don't I suppose think. I with think suspicious minds you're not gonna it's not gonna suddenly go terry was sitting here and suddenly mike wheeler from hawkins walks into it and does that you know, it's, it's not <laughs> yeah. gonna happen you're not gonna suddenly be thinking okay but who is this person when we're pretending that we know who they are yeah, yeah. whereas this you have to know who they are to know why the story works the way that it works so this is definitely a for the fans of Stranger Things novel mm. compared to the other two, I think. I mean, they all are for fans of Stranger Things, obviously, mm. but I think this is definitely... And it's shorter as well. It's the shortest one. Mm. So that kind of goes along the lines of companion novels. You know, when you see those books, and it's like the book of the film. Like, it's, it's that, essentially. Mm. What I think is quite interesting about this one, and we'll, I'll bring it up now because we seem to be kind of going there in the conversation, is that I'm not quite sure when they wanted you to read this because yeah. it came out a month before season three. So I think we found it was the 4th of June, so it pretty much exactly... It was literally a month before, yeah. A month. But a lot of the things that happened in season three make a lot more sense having read the book and that's purely the yeah. max and billy storyline because i i don't know yeah. about everyone but i remember watching season three and thinking hold on why is max suddenly now really cool with billy <laughs> or like a cool to the point yeah. where it was just you didn't have that amnesty that was there in season two but yeah. yeah like max in season two wouldn't be caring as much about billy as she would have if that makes sense. Yeah, there was definitely, it just because it gives you a big insight into their relationship, I think, and there wasn't always that amnesty there from the get-go. I don't think Max first met Billy and thought, I hate him straight away. I think... Mm because she talks about how she was going to have a brother and they were going to be a family and there was going to be this whole family dynamic that was great and she met him and his car was really cool and all of this stuff and, like, she has always sort of had that... Not love for him, but she does want him at first to like her and to get on with them. Mm -hmm. So... I think it makes everything a lot worse to see the route that Billy actually goes down. I think that's something that frustrates me then at a point with it because 
this is a general thing. I remember this coming up online, I think on Reddit and places like that when this book first came out, that there was this big discussion then that are we going to go into Max's backstory within the show? Mm. And it does make me think that did they, I mean, obviously they, they want you to read, say, Suspicious Minds and all of these, but did they really want you to read this book? And yeah. that this is just, it's just a thing for me that I think that why couldn't this been included within the show? And, and I do get it. But especially if it's, I don't know, it's going to sound harsh, but I don't quite understand why it was needed, I guess is my thing. Yeah. Um, and also, like you said about finding it really hard to get hold of, I mm. had to get this book as an import because it doesn't have a wide UK release mm. yet. So for it to be only widely released in the US and Canada, mm. I didn't get this book until this year. Yeah. It, it was like just before lockdown happened or maybe the end of last year hmm. it wasn't before the show came out anyway it was like it was I'd seen season three I'd had it like for a while um season three had been out for a while so I read this book post season three and you think well if people wanted you to read it why wasn't why wasn't it explored if this information is something that we needed to know yeah why wasn't it explored in the show? Because not everybody is going to have the means to get this book, whereas they live and financially mm. and, you know, so I think why is it considered, like, necessary information? I just said that with quotation marks and then I forget <laughs> that people can't always see me doing this. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I don't know, like, I liked the backstory that we got and I liked seeing mm. things from Max's perspective and I think mm. that she's a really good character but I think the things that they did mm. explore could have been explored in the show a little mm. bit. More. I suppose then the only argument for that then that we know obviously that season four is going to be starting very soon um, tentatively because of the current climate i guess you could it's exciting, say exciting though they would have been finished by now which is really mm. sad obviously global pandemic much more important um mm. but it's nice to see that things are starting up again and that they can get back into filming so that um we can see what's gonna happen in season four yes. which is a series i'm very excited about but yes. that's not this podcast <laughs> yeah because um we were talking about just before this about how we think they were they must it make it work alongside season two they must have worked very closely then with netflix to see what they can and what they can't say and the mm -hmm. only thing i could think of then is that is this going to be something that's going to be really heavily explored in season four and is that why yeah. it's pretty much a kind of i don't want to say bare bones because it's not bare bones but you know what i mean that there's nothing really there's nothing too new here. So is it kind of like, we can't touch this because we're going to be bringing it up at a later point? Yeah, this feels a lot more, I don't want to say like restricted, but it's very clearly following a guideline of something that already exists. So the mm. show already, season two already existed. So the book's being written. Mm for something that already exists so there's not as much liberty as there is with 
Suspicious Minds or Darkness on the Edge of Town because there was creating new characters which are probably not going to play a part in the show. So Gwenda Bond and Adam Christopher would have had a little bit more freedom because they could create characters that they know are not going to contradict things that have happened within the show already. So that's there's like a lot more freedom. Whereas this was this felt like there was a wall up either side of the novel and you couldn't go outside of that little metaphorical yeah. wall i because... suppose you couldn't have max suddenly running into will on the field while he is mid being possessed and be like will no and then being taken over herself you, you couldn't do that yeah <laughs> i mean that would be really interesting and very wild but um hmm. yeah. yeah no that's not something that can be done and hmm. um I think that was obvious in the book. As much as I did enjoy it, it felt like that. Hmm. It didn't feel like I was reading a story told um, by Brenna Novanoff, who wrote the book. Um, It felt like she was just telling... She was just, like, narrating season two, in a way. Not Hmm. to that extent, but, like... It wasn't. I'd, I'd like to read more of her books to see the way she writes because I don't feel like I was able to explore that fully in Runaway Max because yeah. it was so heavily like you have to follow a guideline. Yeah, I mean, there's some great like descriptive stuff going on. Oh yeah, there. it's and very some... descriptive, and the way she's describing things, it's great. But it's yeah. also it's very this happened, then this happened, then this happened. There's no real... <sighs> Depth is the wrong word, but it's the only way I can think to describe it. Yeah, because it's, it's on the same layer as the show is. You know, you can't... While there is some flashbacks, it's not fully... But it, it interests me that they went down the route of we're going to do season two in Max's perspective rather than mm. let's do a backstory of Max. So that does make me wonder then if that is going to be something that's going to be explored in season four. Because we see at the end of season three, she is sitting on the bed and is not looking okay. The curtains are closed. Mm. We are very much in the dark. Whereas we see, I'm not even going to mention Will because if we're using metaphors and things like that, he is very much in shadow the whole of that car journey. But you know what I mean? We yeah. see Elle, as she's in the car, it's kind of like there's this brightness, this light. Whereas yeah. her and Will are kind of in that darkness kind of thing. So if um, we're going on that base level, I think there's going to be some stuff going on there. <laughs> she's not going to be okay. Because as much as Billy was a complete, not very nice person, mm-hmm. he was her brother. And like we, like I said, we do see in this in this novel that she wanted a brother and that Mm. she does want Billy to like her and she doesn't want this to be their situation. She doesn't want him Mm. to hate her. And I also find it really interesting because she understands that Neil is actually the one which is the awful human, like awful Mm. person. And Billy is the way he is because of the way Neil treats him. Mm. And that's not an excuse for Billy's behavior because he made the choice to be horrible and treat people in a not very nice way. But also he is technically also a victim of the abuse that Neil has given him. And there's a really nice quote that I like in it 
where Max is talking about Mike, but obviously it's applicable to everyone in her life. Um, and it's, I was getting better at knowing how to recognise sadness when someone was being a jerk. It didn't make the way he treated me all right, but it just made it easier not to take it personally. And I think that that's a really important thing to have in mind when with certain situations, because if someone is not very nice, it doesn't make the fact that they're not very nice okay and it does not excuse their behavior in any way shape or form mm. but I think understanding that they are also dealing with something can help you realize that that's on them not on you mm. so they're not treating you horribly because of something you've done they're treating you horribly because of themselves and that's I think very clear with Billy is that Billy obviously has a lot of things that he has to sort through in his own mind and the way that he is is because of the way that his life has been but and and that's why he expresses that and that's why he is the way he is does it make the way he treats Max okay absolutely not does it make me like Billy not really it just makes me feel a little bit sorry for him and I understand why he is the way he is and I think Max when she stands up to him and starts to realize that that's why I think she starts to see him more as a member of her family and doesn't avoid him as much as she did it's, she sort of confronts him and then realizes that he's scared as well this is one of those things then that I think why couldn't this been shown in the show that I know that she yeah. does have the needle scenario and is very much like I will stab you <laughs> and there's that whole thing going on but I don't know I just think it shouldn't take a book to show that I mean I'm very much I don't like Billy so I'm probably clouded no, I don't very either. much I feel like I'm probably clouded a lot by that opinion but I, I don't know it is a lovely quote in the book though but it just makes me think why did we need a book for this yeah but it's the mm. same with Mike, isn't it? Because Mike mm. is really rude to her and Mike doesn't treat her very nicely. Not on the same level that Billy treats her. They are not comparable in the slightest. No. Um, but you understand that Mike is also going through a lot of things. Yeah. And one, I think it's really important, and this is a psychologist in me speaking, like, you know, you don't do two degrees in psychology and not come out of it, psychoanalyzing yeah. things. Um, but I do think that, knowing why someone is behaving the way they yeah. are can make you understand them so much easier yeah. you know if someone's anxious and they like snap at you or lash out because they're anxious you know they shouldn't have done it but they're anxious and they can't help it and I think when Max starts to realize that Mike's not I mean he's being rude but it's because he has been through something traumatic. Like, what happened to them in season one was traumatic and he was 12 and that's not normal for a 12-year-old to experience. So, yes, he's going to lash out and, yes, he's going to be the way he is. And I think Max's growth in this book is really good because she really, like, comes into herself and really starts to understand people and understand that she is not the one at fault here and she should own the way that she is because mm. that's absolutely fine and if people have got a problem like even if there's a reason for that that's their problem not hers 
which I think is a good thing to learn. The way she describes things is actually very interesting. So there's like moments when she's talking about Billy, where she'll say things like, um, before he became Billy. And it's... Yeah. It, it's just a really interesting way of describing that, that she's kind of noticing the, I guess, the man and the monster, I yeah. guess you could say, which fits really well with actually what you said about that last quote at the end, that it's, you know, there are other reasons and the deeper reasons for what's going on underneath all of this. And yeah. I think what's very interesting to note as well is that he actually gave her the nickname Mad Max, which, which is something we will in the book. to use. Yeah. Yeah. Which she continues to use, and that's something that stays with her. So she obviously cares about the fact that he did that. And there's a bit where they're in the restaurant and Neil completely lashes out at Max. He's ridiculous. And she's, he tells her to go and sit in the car. And she is saying, like, I didn't want to cry because I, I you know, didn't want him to know he'd gotten to me. But Billy actually comes out and not to check on her. She actually does say, I, I wondered if he was going to hug me, which I think is mm. sweet, like that she wanted that comfort but didn't know how to ask for it. And I think that shows a lot about her as a character. Whereas that side note con- like is a character growth because when they're at the snowball, she kisses Lucas and she does like put her head on him and rests her head on him and feels like she can reach out for that comfort. And I know it's different comfort that it would have been for her and Billy and her and Lucas, but I like that she starts off thinking, I don't I I don't know how to go about that to then asking for it and showing that she wants it. Um but he does say to her like Neil is not he's like a horrible person. Like he doesn't how can he be a father he's he's awful and you think how long has this been going on for and obviously we do see a bit of billy's backstory in season three that neil's never really been great i think what you said about the comfort things actually is really interesting that aside from billy as well that it's mentioned a lot that since her dad that her mum has been through many many relationships as well that none of them have been quite working and then even Neil, that's coming around and bringing flowers and is being a real gentleman, is not right either. So she's constantly no. being, from that side, showing that almost like, not necessarily that people aren't trustworthy, but she's got that negative side of it that even her dad, who she clearly loves very much, that she talks about him so yeah. much, that even he left to an extent, and even that doesn't work. That there isn't, you know. Yeah. And she loves seeing him, but also like his jobs he makes his money sort of on like back alleys and like making fake IDs. And she says, Oh, which is fine. Like I didn't see a problem with that, but she said like his house is not very clean. And it's almost like she doesn't have that reliability. So obviously when Lucas is like, I trust you, I'm going to tell you. And Hmm. there's this happened last year. She's obviously like, what are you doing? Like, you're just saying this Hmm. to get to me and, wind me up because that's what she's used to so for her to then reach for that comfort I think is really nice and she does try and avoid her home life she's barely home she's trying to deal with everything um and it's actually when she does confront it when she does confront Billy and she does get him with the needle and she's saying like say that you're gonna leave me alone and you're not gonna come near my friends again that then she feels like she has that control back and 
then she goes to the snowball and she can you know and and she she regains some of that control herself and I can't express how important that is especially as a teenager to understand that you can like you can own yourself and take that I think control. it's yeah. yeah I think it's interesting of noting as well that we have to remember that they're what 13 yeah so they're literally just they're just teenagers and that Mac yeah. actually starts the book as a 12 year old who has run away from home which yeah is why the book has its title so they are young and it is important to I think it's important to remember that yeah I think it is and I think her age is something which is I don't want to say obvious during the book but something which I think is important to think about because they've been through so much I think people don't realize that like they are kids and they have been through absolute hell Hmm. All of them have, Hmm. all of them. And she has been through the hell of fighting the Demogorgons and all of that, but she's also been through this hell of the household that she's in, whereas she has this stepfather who is abusive. She has her brother who is abusive. And her mum doesn't really stand up for Hmm. her because... Neil is abusive to her Hmm. and I think a lot of people find it quite easy if you've never been in that situation to say but why don't you leave but if you're in that situation you can't just leave the situation it's a very off topic well it's not off topic at all but EastEnders has actually shown up very well if anyone's in the UK and has watched the storyline that's going on through that it actually shows that point really well that from a viewer's perspective we were watching going like just get out, like, go for the door, get out, or tell someone. Yeah. But it's actually shown during that whole storyline that it's it's really not that simple. That, yeah, they could, yeah. but she doesn't know what could happen the next time. And unfortunately, in the programme, she does pay with her life. And that is the reality of, of situations like this. And I think, you know, in any relationship where children are involved it makes the whole thing so much harder because her mum could be thinking, well, if I leave, we've now moved to a different state where I don't know anyone, which was Neil's decision and is something which is very common in um, abusive relationships. It's taking people away from their friends and their family and sort of isolating them so that they become reliant on the fact that they know you and they don't know anyone else. To move someone from Los Angeles all the way to Indiana Mm. is quite a lot um some san diego sorry um and that to do that is so so susan uh, max's mom thinks if i leave it would just be me and we'd be in a small town and neil would still be able to find us and so staying with him and making not making him angry by leaving is probably something which makes sense to her and it's not her fault for that. It's not her mm. fault at all. And it's not Max's fault either for wanting to avoid the situation because why would you want to be in it? You know, she doesn't want that. And it's it's really, really hard. So Max's growth during the book and Max's storyline growth is, is really good because she really regains a little bit of control, which I think is so, so 
good. Like, that's amazing that she was able to do Mm. that. Now, this conversation really makes me wish then we had more of a Max and Will team up a bit. Because the whole bias situation, we obviously don't quite know the backstory behind that, that we know little bits within the show, but we never see it as, I suppose, descriptive as with the Mayfield Hargrove family, that it would have been so interesting to see how they're going to interact and if they have any shared experience and seeing how they bond. And it does make me a bit sad that it makes me think that we're not going to see that in season four. Speaking of Joyce, I think she's in the book briefly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, So Max is skating in Hawkins. So she just arrived um, and she falls over. Um, and she says, I had rolled over and was trying to sit up when a thin, dark-haired woman came hurrying out of one of the stores. It was almost surprising as a cat in the business district. No one in California would have come running just to see if I was okay, but this was Indiana. My mum had said that people would be nicer here. The woman was already kneeling next to me on the concrete with big, nervous eyes. She reached out to brush gravel off my hands. Hers were thinner and tanner than mine, with dry, cracked knuckles and bitten fingernails. Next to them, mine looked pale, covered in freckles. So, yeah. I think it's Joyce. It does sound like Joyce. I'd like to think it's Joyce. I like to think it's Joyce. It was just a little moment. And I thought, it sounds like the like big nervous eyes and the uh, thin, dark-haired woman came hurrying out of one of the stores that would have been nearby, which would have been Malvold's. Um, and she says, like, she was watching me in a quick, nervous way. Um, See, how powerful... Would a Mayfield buyers team up with them? There's so many fanfics where Joyce takes her in. Mm. There are, there are so many, and it's always the same kind of thing, and they have that shared experience, and then Max and Will are the best of friends, and I, I would I would like to see it. Yeah, because I think that there are is so much that can help because Joyce has been in that situation and Joyce is experienced that and has been able to like get out of that situation you know it took a really long time but she was able to do that as well and I think that would be really good Mm. look at us talking about a book about Max and we've gotten onto the buyers that that is so us (laughs) um yeah but no I I do really like Max's dynamic in this and and I do think that she is a really powerful character and I think that you do get to see her growth which is so important I also love her and Lucas I think they are so good their whole dynamic is just so lovely and she says about he's like how important he is and how lovely he is and there's a bit where she's gonna cry she doesn't want to let herself cry but she says he doesn't care about that and he doesn't care that she is worried or she's sad and Mm. he's there and I think like he is underrated as a character Mm. anyway but he's also so good and it's so lovely to see her perspective of their relationship because she does really like him and from the first time she meets him she says about how what he was like um compared to Dustin and I just think it's really sweet and Mm. they deserve more love they are a great couple Mm. 
that's what I liked about them in season three as well. I mean, you didn't see them as much, but they were very, they were that teenage couple. If you know what yeah. I mean, that you never knew yeah, quite they where they were, but behind that all, there was, there was that real like mutual, you're all right, that kind of attitude yeah. behind it, and yeah, I really liked that. And yeah, I'm glad it's like, come across yeah. like that in the book as well, though, because I think it's really good seeing it, as you said, from her side of it. Because we, I think within the show that obviously, although we do have, say, we do have Max and all that, I think it does follow the boys more than anyone. So we're oh, always yeah. going to see it through their eyes. Yeah, so, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So it is really nice to see it from both Lucas and Max's. And we see like kind of Dustin and Lucas like fighting over her. Um, but it's nice to see Max's perspective of that and to understand that like it was always Lucas you know it wasn't like a weird love triangle thing it was always Lucas which I think is so sweet I think if we do look at it that was something that was evident in the show looking back you could kind of tell that was the direction it was going to go down that yeah yeah it it was unfortunately never going to end well for Dustin (laughs) poor Dustin but he has Susie now so it's all okay um and I also really like, this also gave me a lot of hindsight for why I really love, well, I loved the concept of Elle and Max being friends anyway, but she talks about how she was always friends with boys. And it sort of starts off as like a, I didn't want to wear dresses because, you know, like this, and I'm not a, I'm not like other girls fan of things because I think everyone is different and there's no other girls situation. Um... But she talks about how, like, most of her friends are always boys and she doesn't really click with girls. And she had friends back home who also, one of her, her, like, best friend called Nate, like, Billy broke his arm and was horrible to him as well. So, like, it sort of his presence affected her friendships. Um, so I'm glad that that isn't what happens in Hawkins and that they actually stand up with her, like, stand up for her as well. Um, That's what I was going to say. Was Nate... Because obviously we see with Lucas that he he kind of didn't care that Max was being like, I don't want to, I, I can't do this, you can't yeah. be here. That Was Nate the same or was Nate very much like pulling back? He She says about how their friendships, the, her, her friendships were a little bit weird. She missed her friends, but that, that had been weird the last couple of months anyway. That's sort of oh, how yeah. she goes into it. Um, and then, yeah, Billy broke Nate's arm. Bit of a nail in the coffin, really, isn't it? Mm, a little yeah. bit. Um, so I like that that's the way, but she talks about... I think it's like like a trusting thing with girls mm. and like not getting on with them, but she realises that you can be a powerful woman in multiple different ways, and, and it's not just one way versus another way. Mm. And that's why I really like that Elle reaches out to her and she's able to teach mm. Elle different things, and I mm. really like that, and... I think that makes me... I lo- always loved their friendship anyway, but I think that made me love their friendship a lot more. Um, she literally, when Elle, when she first sees her, she says, like, I've never been more sure about anyone. Hmm. Like, that's literally a description. Because she's talking about how Mike is, like, all love eyes and every bit of anger that was in him falls out of him when he sees her. But she also says, I've never been sh- that sure about anyone. Which... I think it's really sweet. We love friendships in this house. We do. That quote is also very interesting with season three because if it is talking about Mike and Eleven, 
that we'll, we'll look at it from that perspective first. If we're talking about that, that how they're going to work, it's interesting that she tries to break them up in season three. But that is just, you know, that. But I guess the point. <laughs> her logic is he treats her. Mike isn't great. And yeah. I know it's because of what Hopper did. Hmm. But in her logic, she's just lived through the way that Neil treats her mum and the way that Billy treats her. So for mm. her, she's saying, he lied to you, he's doing this. No. Yeah. And she's helping Elle mm. get out. You know, she's still just a kid. She probably doesn't fully understand, like, that's what people do, but she's yeah. broken up with Lucas five times for the same thing. Exactly. You know, she doesn't want to get herself in that either. I mean, yeah, I get that. I will be honest, and you know this, obviously, that I'm not the biggest fan of Mike and Eleven. And I just think it's more... It was more a season three thing for me than anything. Yes. And I think overall that has been my... That was my biggest issue with season three as well. I just think Max is right when she says Elle needs things outside of boys because... She does, and I think this is why her living with Joyce is going to be so good for for Elle because I know this is a tangent from Runaway Max, but Elle has only known like what Brenna told her to do. And then, whilst I love Hopper to pieces and think he's wonderful, and everything he's done for her has been wonderful, she understandably wasn't allowed to go outside and she wasn't allowed to see people, and there were rules put in place, and then. She has Mike, but she grew up in a lab. Like, she doesn't... Mm. I think she needs to know herself before she can know a relationship. So the way that they went about it was probably a little bit extreme. But I do think she did start to teach Elle that she can be her own person and Mm. what do you like and what do you want to do. And I think her journey in Runaway Max really adds to Mm. why she is so supportive of Elle doing her own thing. Yeah. And I really like that. And I really like their friendship. And I do just want to see more Elle and Max friendship. Yeah. And to back up that point, I think also storyline wise, it is better for the, it is going to be better for the both of them. So really Max is going to be the saviour of the characters, (laughs) I guess you could say. I think it'll be great to see, for example, like Elle outside of Mike, but on the other side of that, I am a big advocate for seeing Mike outside of Elle because yes. I think similarly where Elle doesn't know herself, I don't think, I don't want to say Mike doesn't know himself, but we don't know Mike as well, we, I don't think. No, we knew him for a couple of episodes and then they met Elle and then Elle was his focus for everything. Mm. And that even I in season think... two, Will was then his focus for everything until L came back. Yeah. So. Yeah. Rude. Um, <laughs> I think that they both. I think it's good that they had a bit of time apart, and I think they're at a very interesting age where I think it's good to know yourself. So thank you, Max, for your contribution. <laughs> This is what I've been saying this whole time. She's the best. I love Max so much. And this book, like, definitely 
definitely made me love her a lot more and I liked being able to see things from her perspective and one thing I will say that was done really well was that the way this was written whilst it obviously was within like Netflix guidelines it felt like Max was narrating it Hmm. and I liked that perspective like I liked that it felt like Max it didn't feel like someone was saying here's a retelling of season two like because it was a retelling of season two but it was obviously from Max's perspective and it did feel like Max as a character and that I loved very much and this is in first person as well and I think that's something we mentioned as well with Darkness on the Edge of Town that it feels like it was Hopper and it felt like it was Elle speaking those moments. And I think that is how you yeah. do a tie-in right. I think, yeah, the story of Runaway Max might be restricted in a sense, but it is also, you know, that that's how you're going to write for the Stranger Things Extended Universe. I I think we should trademark that, that thing. S-T-U. Yeah. And I'd be interested to see how they would do this with other characters. I mean, obviously... We know I'm Will Byers fan here, but there is a good opportunity with season three then to see that. Similar to how we did Max Perspective in season two, you can do that so easily with Will and you can have creative freedom to do what you want. Oh, Will in season three's perspective, that would be heart wrenching. Oh, and it I would kind be... of want it. On that note, actually, then, there is one other book, which we haven't got the copy of, but it is the Will Byers secret files or diaries thing. And I don't think there's enough information to go into, like, a full thing with it, but it's literally pre-season three. And one of the things he said in, like, the last diary entry from what I've seen is, like, it doesn't really matter what happens to me now because I have my friends, I have my family, and I have a feeling that everything is going to be okay. (laughs) And then look what happens. I'd also really like to see that from Will's perspective. So question of the week ties into that with which character would you like to see a book about? I think Emily's answer is pretty obvious. I just I I just think if it would kind of avoid the issues as well, the say runaway Max has where it's so restricted within the storyline that yeah, he is present. But his storyline kind of stops, arguably, at episode three. The, once we yeah. get to that point, we have no idea what is going on in that mind of him because he just kind of pulls everything back and is like, I'm not now really going to speak to any of you apart from we're doing it, we're focusing on the mission. That is pretty much his attitude from episode three up to episode eight. I would like to see his perspective from the it's not my fault you don't like girls scene because yes. I'd like to see the context of that. Yeah, because... I just think all hmm. the... We've spoken about this before, but I just think all the different options of what that line was going to be, the line that they chose is very interesting. And I can't imagine that's something which is not going to be explored further because that was just such a specific line i will be so annoyed if it comes to nothing because i just i don't know i am a big advocate for him having a big storyline in season four i would like that that. that's what i don't know i just have this feeling 
that things are going to be addressed in season four purely because he kind of mirrored what happened to him in season one if you think about it that he was there mm. from the beginning and then disappeared then season two had a big focus season three he was kind of there and disappeared and then <laughs> season four there we go there we go if i could have a book about anybody it would be joyce oh yeah joyce byers pre like backstory Oh, I would love that, actually. A Joyce Byers, mm, even, I don't want to say high school. Joyce and Hopper but, in high school, please. Yeah, there we go. Joyce Hopper in high school. That is, that's your book. Have you noticed that once again, they're both Byers? We are pretty basic. On that note, thank you for listening to episode 12 of the Hawkins Zoo Copper podcast. Next week, we start our October month, which, like we said, is a bit more spooky and a little bit more dark, and I'm particularly very excited about it, so that's going to be very good. You can catch up with all the other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, and Google Podcasts, as well as catch up with us on our social medias, which is at Hawkins Podcast on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and then Hawkins do you copy on everything else I think yeah we are everywhere so yes like I said thank you for listening to this week's episode and we will see you next week over and out Hawkins do you copy